message tonight, fruitful or not. And it's based from Mark chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. It's a story about the man uh, scattering seeds. But just want to share with you some my heart about uh, some leadership things tonight and hopefully you can get my perspective on where the church going and what, what we want to see in the future. So I'm going to... Um, uh, couple of things about our building progress so so you know where we're at. Um, the slat fence is coming so um, we want to block off this whole side outside so we're, we're probably going to lock the gate around the side here so that people can't go in from that side and we'll have a, a, a lock on the, the gate that's going to be installed along the side here so that people can't go out the back anymore because we're finding, you know, I've found everything from bongs to other people's stolen bags. Um, you know, someone found a scooter there this weekend so uh, it's just like, you know, getting a lot, a lot of use, but not by the church. Uh, so we want to try and block that off for those things. So the slat fence is on the way. It's been ordered and we've paid a deposit, so that should be coming soon. Um, we've got a price coming for curbing, so we're going to have concrete curbing around, where the, uh, um, around the edges of the car park where we need that. Um, then the car park will be regraded and, and flattened out quite a bit with a lot of fill. Uh, and then when that's all done, we'll have the bitumen to top it all off and we'll have a nice uh, clear car park. So I just want to encourage you for August is our one priority month, which we've done for the last four or five years now. And I want to encourage you to start thinking now, perhaps as a couple, if you're married or as a single person, um, what you may be able to contribute to that and start planning now, start putting away for that. Pauline and I start from, from August, we start planning for the next one. So we uh, want to make a contribution because we want to see the church resourced and, and be able to do what it needs to do and not be held back because there's no finance. Or that people will say, well, we don't go to church because um, you know, there's not the right facilities for our family. There's no, um, no access for disabled people. We fix that. Um, but you know, long term, we do need to look at things like disabled toilets and all these other things. Um, so we're on, on to those things, but they're plans for the future and uh, take a lot of investment on our behalf to see those things happen. So hopefully you can feel in your, uh, in your life to sow and invest into the kingdom of God here so that we can make every way possible for people to come to church and find a place where they belong and they can grow spiritually. Uh, and then we can you know, do more and more in the community as we extend our reach. So tonight I want to speak on um, being fruitful um, being in ministry for many years, I've heard things from leaders that at the time of hearing, I didn't understand or agree with what they said. Um, I think, you know, I remember hearing a, a message by Donna Crouch from, from Hillsong, and she made some statements, and I thought, that is just so, you know, that, I just don't understand that. I think that's, that's actually quite rude. Um, also, Paul Scanlon, who we have coming here, I really want to encourage you Make whatever you have to do to make yourself available on that leadership day because it will bless you like crazy. Um, it's, it, you know, you don't, it, it's, you know, Paul Scanlon would be one of the most um, motivational leadership speakers that you'll ever hear and he's coming to Port Lincoln. It's just, it's incredible. And so far we've got about 14 people coming, which is really quite poor. But it, it goes to a good cause. It's, you're, you're not only getting Paul Scanlon for a day, that you can be up close and personal, but um, for 50 bucks. You'll never get to see him 
again for that kind of money. So take the, take the chance. Do what you have to do to be there. Um, so anyway, I heard Paul Scanlon say this thing that aggravated me uh, with this statement that he, and, and I heard Donna Crouch say different things. But uh, I look back now with a bit of experience behind me and I can say I totally agree with what they said. And sometimes you'll hear things um, at heartbeat nights and, and even in church and you'll think that is just so cruel, that is just so wrong. But the thing is when you have experience of ministry behind you and dealing with people after a, uh, a period of time you'll, you'll start to realise the wisdom in their message. So some stuff you hear here may be like that, hopefully not. But I've been um, lately just casually researching the future of church in Australia. And first, I'd like to say that we have some drastic measures being uh, planned against the church at this time. Um, there's, there's things that I'm hearing about that, that would severely restrict church's function and ministry to people. And you know, I think it's going to happen. And we just have to learn to roll with it when it does because the church was here before Australia, the church was here before any government, and the church will be here long after they're all gone too. So we just need to remember that. But we have some big challenges in the church before us. Um, but uh, no matter what happens, we have to know that we're called by God and we're going to stand on what the Word of God teaches uh, in every part of uh, our lives. So... I'm going to give you two examples tonight that I hope uh, help you to understand um, where we don't want to end up as churches. I spent the weekend with um, the Gideons and they were here on Sunday. That was a, a good presentation. Like some, so many billion Bibles they give away a year. I mean, that takes a serious amount of money, but that money that they use to, to distribute Bibles largely comes from the Gideons themselves. They're all business people. They're all men who, you know, who, who have jobs or have businesses or farms and they sow into that hugely. And so the bit they get from churches and other donations really doesn't compare to the investment they put in and they also evangelise. That's their main purpose is getting out and telling people about Jesus and how they can be saved through Jesus. So they're, they're generosity-based and they're, um, and they're, they're giving based. Uh, I mean, evangelistically-based. So... I really like that about them. But there's also what I find in their ranks is most of the people are from small, struggling churches, denominational churches mainly, all around the place. But I'm going to give you two examples from uh, denominations that are in trouble right now. So example one, I'm not going to say who they are, but I had some data that I found um, that... You looked at this particular denomination from 1991 to 2013. That's 22 years. And in that time, they had lost 40% of their attendance on a regular basis. 40% of their church stopped going to church. And in that same period of time, 31% of its churches have closed down. Just They've not been able to function anymore. And there are four scenarios that have been looked at internally in that church for, for their future. The first one... I think I have it here. If I can have that up. Um, there are four scenarios for this group. And they are a denominational church that you would all know and uh, is in Australia. They continue with a small number of large parishes. So the, the churches actually get smaller, but they make their parishes bigger so that they can continue to operate. Uh, the second option is church congregations fade away 
but a large welfare organisation remains. So it's like, well, we don't do church anymore because no one wants to come, but we're just going to be a welfare agency, and that's all we'll do. Um, the third one is return to early church, and they reinvent themselves, and that's the best outcome. So they have a revival, and they say, hey, we're here because we want to be Christians, and Christians come to church and, and have a community, and we, we you know, return to that. The fourth option, it closes down and its assets are dispersed. Um, and the, these, are the, um, these are the realities that these churches are facing. The second uh, example is uh, this next group of churches, um, apart from a few exceptions, are mostly small, struggling and ageing in this next denomination. Um, now, the trends that have caused this... Um, uh, listed here, and I'll read them out to you, a drift away from biblical truth. It's called liberal theology. So they start saying, well, you know, we're just going to you know, soften our, our ideals about this or that. Um, and so they change the, the definition of their standards according to um, some other idea. Institutionalization, um, that's, that, that results in a long time since having any major change because the institution is so entrenched that they say, well, we can't change anything because this is how we've done it and this is how it's always been done and it's too complicated to change how you run a service, things like that. Um, number three, over-centralisation, um, compliance and control syndrome. So um, they've got a whole lot of systems on, on how to operate, how to make everything happen. Um, loss of passionate evangelism. So basically they, they just don't do it anymore. They don't worry about the unsaved. They don't go for evangelistic programs or anything like that. They just look after who they have. Um, a dominance of pastoral maintenance model. That's um, the church has an overemphasis on pastoral, pastoral care of their flock. You think, well, isn't that what a church should do? Yes and no. So you get, you get too, uh, too much of pastoral maintenance, then all you do is stare at your belly buttons and, and, and complain about everything that you don't like in the church, like you know, moving something in the building. So... That's a problem. Um, number six is a slowness of local congregations to change their worship style and music. So um, they, these are all the, 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 the symptoms of, or the, the problems that they've faced. Failure to plant new churches. And number eight, reducing the gospel to fit prevailing social thought, which is similar to the first point. But I don't want to be critical of these churches, but rather I want us to beware not to follow them. The lesson is there for us to learn from so that we don't just go, well, we're, we're going to do what they did and then go down that same path and find that we are part of a church denomination or movement that is sliding down the same thing. But at our last Heartbeat Night, I talked about Moses and how God intended us to do ministry with other people. Um, as we've seen the points to church decline, the things we want to work on are the things that promote church growth. We want to promote church growth. So we've got to understand that's the point, that's the reason we're here, is the church has got to grow. And we see that right from the very beginning when the, when the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out in the streets, they preached, they, they, um, they had a head start because the Jews were looking for the Saviour and, and they were waiting for something and when, they were, when it was um, explained to them, Many of them believed because they were waiting for this Saviour to come and then they believed that Jesus was the Saviour. When we consider our context today, 
most Australians aren't walking around thinking, who's the Saviour? When's the Messiah coming? They're not thinking that. So we've got a disadvantage, but we've got the power of the Holy Spirit that took the disciples into the Gentile world, all the, the, the non-Jews, and was able to make a way for them to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah and he can take away the sins of everybody. So they, they bridge that gap and so can we. But we need to be a church that understands that the world is lost, it's broken, it has no chance and they're going to a Christless eternity in hell unless we show them Jesus. And that's our role. So um, they are um, personal convictions that I think we need to have, not just as a, a corporate thing that we think, well, our church is evangelistic. They're things we need to have as individuals as well. We have responsibilities as believers to do everything that we can to maintain a healthy personal life and ministry. So it's not like, well, we, we expect the pastor to be the evangelist. We expect the pastor to be spiritual. We expect the pastor, um, to, that's his job, uh, to, to follow up new Christians or, or to be at the music practice or, or you know, clean or whatever else we, we might want him to do. Um, but as we've seen, like in point number five, a dominance of pastoral maintenance, that, that's where we put a much greater emphasis on pastoral role than body role, where the whole body has a responsibility to minister to each other. Um, the pastors and leaders have their, have their role, but it's not the dominant part of the church. It's, it's much more of a vision and direction and, um, I guess, a balancing and a stability role in the church to keep things in harmony. So when we are in good health spiritually, it builds the church. Um, getting to Mark chapter 4, verse 13 to 20, I'll read it out to you. I don't know. No, I haven't got a thing. It's only dot points, I think. It says, Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted uh, for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear, the, hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So I'm going to give you just a, a, a few key points from uh, those four places the seed landed. So the footpath, and I, I think each one of these can be Related, we think, oh yeah, that's that's easy. That's just about when God plants a seed in the world, and so some people, unbelievers, they'll, they'll either accept it or they'll be hard hard path and they won't receive it. But we can be just like that with things that God wants to do, seeds He wants to plant in us every day from the day we get saved. So we can be, oh, I'm saved, but I'm going to be a hard path, you know. And and we don't want to do that today. We want to be. We want to be fertile, good soil, so God can keep planting in us more 
and more and more. So the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. They hear the message, but nothing happens. Um, it's people who don't accept it or want it. We all know footpath people that the devil keeps blind. Second uh, Corinthians 3 verse 13 and 16 tells us about uh, a veil covering people's minds that can only be removed by Jesus, can only be removed by believing in Jesus. So this, re this technically re represents lost people. But I also, as I mentioned, believe it represents those in church who hear but never do. And we can't be a church of, that is satisfied with people who are hearing, listening, but never doing. So we're just a hard path because it represents a hardness of heart that just says, doesn't matter what I've just heard, it just bounces off. It doesn't stick. No, no seed ever lands and, and never grows into anything. So when Jesus occupies the right place in your heart, you can't not be fruitful. So we need to get that into our spirits this year to start a course for the rest of our life that we want to live fruitfully and powerfully in the calling of God. So um, whichever way that plays out in your life. Um, I know in myself, um, listening to preaching and listening to um, the Word of God and, and particularly when I'm uh, at worship in church, is I sense God speaking to me and challenging me and they're the seeds landing somewhere in me and I go, yeah, I know I'm going to have to work on that. I know I need to change that. I know I need to, to, to grow in this or that area and that's where it happens. But I'll just say that again. When Jesus occupies the right place in your heart, you, cannot be, um, you can't not be fruitful. So the second one, rocky soil. It represents those who fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Because it, it describes it as uh, they, they had shallow roots or, or they, they didn't get their roots down. When problems come, they revert to old ways is basically what this means. They revert to what they know. And we all do that. We have patterns of behavior that when something doesn't work out how we thought it should, then, then we'll go back to our pattern of behavior. That might be start yelling. That mean, might, might, might mean, well, you didn't listen to me. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tip the table upside down. I worked in a sawmill once and this guy got the sack. He was stealing things and got caught. And so he got fired and his wife, it's like, it was like a drama. She drove into the sawmill, did this great big you know, sideways you know, into the car park. <laughs> just sort of stopped the car where it landed, marched into the, into the office and threw this bearing, that the last thing that was stolen, threw the bearing on the boss's table, smashed the glass top, and then, and then drove out. And I thought, what was that about? And then people in the office were like, oh, this mad lady just came in. And it's because she, she wasn't a Christian, obviously, but, but she's got this. <laughs> but sometimes we can have those kind of violent outbursts and bring them into the church because when things don't go our way, we're going to say, well, we're going to um, react. In, in a, a crazy kind of a reaction. So there's no roots, shallow roots. So when problems come, we're going to revert to old ways. We find it hard to trust God when things get difficult or when things get hard. It's important that as soon as possible when we become a believer, we separate out of our lives stones and rocks that were, that were our old go-to escapes. So that could, be, that could mean lots of things. It, it can be dependencies, it can be... Um, it can be habits, it can be friends, it can be places that we would have gone. 
when we thought, well, things aren't working out, I'm feeling threatened, well, I'm going to go to my go-to place, whatever that, whatever that might be. But it's, if it's not healthy, it's a rock that, we, that is going to stay around us and we, we want to walk with God. We think, wow, that was really awesome. Look at me grow, have this great growth spurt, and everyone's looking going, wow, it's amazing. And then suddenly there's a little, there's a little uh, bump in the road and then we, we go, oh, well, actually, I think I made a mistake. I'm walking away from all that stuff and I'm starting to, to grab all those rocks and stones from my past and I'm going to follow that, that instead. Isaiah 57 verse 14 says, Clear away the rocks and the stones so my people can return. And this is as much about the church as a whole, as an individual. Often we have, I like, I like this little thing I, I thought of today. Sometimes we often have group fallaways uh, of people in church that haven't removed the rocks from their life and church becomes a place of connection to others who haven't dealt with their rocks either and they fall away together and, and with each other's encouragement. And, and that's something that really annoys me as a pastor is, is I think I wish I as a leader had as much influence over people as the people with the rocks and the, and the, and the stones in their pockets saying, oh yeah, guess what? You know, let's all, let, let's, let's you know, go down this path or that path when things start to get difficult. We're picking up all the rocks from our past and we're keeping them with us and it's so disappointing and they produce no fruit. But we have to be aware of the rocks around about us and be prepared to deal with them and get rid of them and get them out of our life so we don't go back to them. And, and the, you think, well, how do I get rid of the rocks? How do I stop doing this? We have to ask for Jesus' grace. We have to ask for the Lord's help. We have to ask for, for, for a passion um, from God, a, a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit that we, we rely upon that because there's so many people that you, you, know, you could just think of them just like that, who, who start strong, who have a great experience with God, and we think that there's, no, there's going to be no stopping them, yet there's a bump in the road, and they're, they're, you think, why are they doing that? They, they, they're, they're, and they're talking to all the wrong people and picking up all the wrong rocks. And it's so, so sad and such a waste. So we need to be careful of that. We, we also have a responsibility at One Heart Church to be rock removers in others. And there's a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people who can be in church for a long time, they don't want the rocks to be touched. They say, oh, I've got my rocks and I want them to be left right where they are, thank you. So that can be anything from the person who, who never listens to advice to the person who, just, who, who is just disruptive and, and, and um, distracts everybody around them. They're rocks. And we, we need to have the culture within One Heart Church where we can say, you know something, I can see the rocks in that person's life and, and you know, if I'm not careful, I, I will be attracted to that and, and I'll go start using their rocks too. We, ne- we don't want to do that. We don't want to have rocks in our own life. We don't want to be using the rocks in someone else's life. Of Sometimes they're rocks of criticism, rocks of, of dissatisfaction. All these different things are stones that we've had from our past life that Jesus wants to lift us above so that we don't have to live with that anymore. Is this making sense to you today? So you've got to get them out of your life and don't go back to rocks. Because every rock that you hang on to, every rock that you keep, is taking up space for the 
the, the gold, jewels and precious gems that Jesus says, I've got this for you. Get rid of the stupid rock. You don't need it anymore. So rocky soil represents those who fall away as soon as they have problems or persecution. Third one are thorns. They represent when the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. What's that look like? People who hear and accept God's word. Oh, sorry. They represent when the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. They hear the word, they accept it, but then the worries and the cares of, of life crowd it out. It, it also mentions the lure of wealth and the, the desire. I love, I love it in the New Living Bible. It says, the lure of wealth and desire for other things. Just anything else other than our spiritual walk. There may have been many who have lost their way chasing the other things. And I hope we can grow great business people at One Heart Church. Great managers who have a heart for the kingdom. You know, I tell you the truth, most of most the business people I've seen in this church and as a curiosity just to Port Lincoln don't support their, their people in, in their church, the people who work for them, to do church stuff. But I've seen in other churches, when we are in, in a church in Adelaide, there was, there was quite a few businesses who said, we're going to employ people and they're at the disposal of the church. So that they work for us, but if they're needed at church, we, you know, they don't technically pay them for, to go to church, but they say if the church needs them for, for Paul Scanlon, then we release them to, to be there to be volunteers. And that's having a kingdom mentality in your business. Now, you've got to manage that and be wise if you're a business person, but, but that's having a kingdom mentality that you bring into your business that benefits the church. I mean, I grew up in an in a, in a old school Pentecostal church and the whole thing there was we were taught all the time, if you're in business, you're in business to bless the church. You're in business to, to make finance for the church. And, and people did. And they'd, they'd employ the youth pastor and say, well, I employ you, but you, you work for me three days a week, a week and you work at church for two days a week. I know that's a call of God in your life. And, and I'm going to let that happen. That's what I grew up with normal. And so we've got to reinvent our normal in the church. And nights like tonight, so you guys as leaders, I want you to buy into kingdom principles because it's not abnormal, it's normal. So you shouldn't be a businessman, whether you're you know, cons a manager, other people own their businesses. You shouldn't have a business that then is like a blockage to people fulfilling the call and purpose of God in their life. You should be facilitating that to happen. And I know... Um, I've spoken to other pastors about different things and they're like, what? we got guys in our church and they would just be, they'd just be blessing those people in. So we've got to be careful. That have a kingdom mentality when it comes to business. Um, I hope we can grow great sporting and creative people you know, in all of the arts who have a heart for the kingdom. So they, they, they say, oh, I've got a musical talent but I don't want to be a rock star. I want to be a worshipper. You know, you might have, you might have a creative uh, talent in your life for, 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 for other, other things. And you think, well, I, I don't want to be a movie star. I want, to be, I want to be someone in the kingdom of God. I want to be a preacher. And so it's so easy to be caught by the worries of this world and by the, the, the things that, that, that lure us away that, for wealth or other things. 
Don't be preoccupied building amazing haystacks. If you want to get a reference, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. talks about those who build with the precious things of God, of gold, silver and precious gems, and build their, those things into their life. The things of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, the, the calling of God upon the light, on your life that you're working through and they're, they're those precious things. But it says others on this foundation, so they're in our church, are building with wood, hay and stubble, but when it goes through the fire, nothing will be left. It will be consumed. So we don't want to be a person who, who goes before the, the kingdom of God and says, all I built was this amazing haystack. And when it went through the fire, all I got was ash back. We don't want to be those kind of people. And I'm talking to you today as leaders. You might think, well, that's, that was a bit mean. Well, that, that stuff about the business was a bit mean. You know, I hope you have experience in life as you go through that you'll look back on this day and say, I thought that was horrible. I thought that was mean. But now I can see what he was talking about. So... Have the right partners in life. This is the other thing about thorns. Have the right partners around you who keep you on target spiritually. Because you can have the wrong people and they're just like thorns and briars and prickles that don't help you to, to maintain your walk with God. They don't spur you on to greater levels of um, ability or anything. They're just tangling up your life and bogging you down. When I, when I first came here as an associate or assistant pastor in 1994, I was surrounded by thorns and prickles who did nothing to help me pursue the call of God. I came into it February 1994, believing there was a call of God on my life, believing a call of ministry, believing that I, I, I had a, a purpose. Ten months later, by October, I had resigned, thinking I didn't know there was a call of God on my life. If there was, I didn't want it. And... Uh, and it was all because I was consumed by the prickles and the concerns and the worries of everybody else who had no concern about me or my call, but they were all about their own negativity, their own disappointments, and it bogged me down. And, and I couldn't last more than 10 months. I'd had enough. And I, I walked away, and I think back now, I think, well, perhaps if, if I had been surrounded by just some people who were encouraging, who were were spurring me on to the purpose and the call of God, then it might have been a different outcome back then. So you've got to have the right partners in life. At, at the Gideons, I preached a message on Saturday about two barrels are better than one. It's about a, a double-barrel gun is better than a single-barrel gun because if you miss with the first, you'll have them with the second. But it talk, it's talking about side-by-side side walking with other believers. Philippians 1 verse 27. It's a great, great verse and it talks about being side by side, walking side by side with others. And, and in your department, in your area of influence of what you do in the church, you need to find a side by side. Whether, that's, whether that is on the cleaning team, be side by side with someone who is in that team and you can say, we pray together. You know, have coffee together, that's, that's good too. Have a relationship, but just say, you know what? You know, we, we don't feel it's weird to, to pray. So we might come to, we come to clean, but you know what? In the meantime, we might say, hey, you know what? We, I just feel a burden to pray. I want a church that has a burden to pray. And, I, and, and as I've said, Sunday, our church services start at 9 o'clock now, not 10. They start for prayer. 
It's only 10 minutes, but we want to get down. We want to get desperate. And we want to cry out to God for a move of, your spirit, of His Spirit. And we want to see that. And I know that people are going to buy in. People are going to come in. People are going to get that um, heart for prayer and uh, uh, develop that, that, um, uh, that, oh, no, that, that mongrel spirit that we need that, that just goes after the things of God. You need a bit of that. If I had a bit more of that in my, my time, I'd probably be further advanced than I am. I'm a, I'm a late learner, but at least I'm still a learner. I'd rather learn it late than never learn it at all. So the last one, good soil. Hopefully this is helping you tonight as leaders. But good soil, it represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. See, my dad always had this pile he called the manure pile. It's a true story. People tell stories. I tell true ones from my own life. But he had this pile in our backyard called the manure pile, and he would get chook poo and cow poo and horse poo and any poo he could get, and he would put grass clippings on top and mix it all together, like just pull it all in there and, and mix it all up. And, and then he would put it on, the, on, on his garden and grow stuff. You know, he'd leave it, like this pile was always like huge, and, and then he'd just dig off it when he needed it and put it on the garden. And, and it was just this big, massive pile. And it actually was so big, and our yard was so wild, it even got wild rabbits living in there. Like they just had tunnels. I'm like, what are these little holes? Rabbits living in it. But this is about fruitful living. Soil, a fruitful soil turns every situation into something that you can grow in. If, you're, if you want to foster fruitful things into your spirit, into your heart, you can grow through every situation. Good soil has a lot of organic matter. We call it manure. You could call it poo. I can't guarantee that you won't get any of that thrown your way. I can absolutely guarantee you will. But determine that you won't get bitter, sour and unproductive. So when, when, when people throwing poo at you, that's good. Because you're going to plant something in that. In every negative you're going to produce something good. So people will come and complain about everything. I know I, I, I pray harder when people are saying, oh, well, you know, we, we, we don't like this and we don't like that and when are we getting this? And I'm just saying, God, you've got to help me through this. Sometimes people are just downright rude. And it's, it's like, it's like you, they wouldn't talk to this to anyone else, but they think, Pastor, <laughs> so where do they get that from? But it's okay, because every time they do, I've got something more to grow stuff in. Good stuff. I'm going to grow some good vegetables on that. Some artichokes are coming out. But if we can discover the art of planting something in every negative, it's going to produce something good. That's the key there for you. In every negative, plant something good. Because you know, when, when something gets thrown on you, you we use this word, we, you know, people just dumped on us. It's a good word because it means they've dumped something yucky on you. But if you can say, you know what, Lord, you've got to take that to the Lord. What we make the mistake of is we, we take that to Kylie, we take that to Amy, we take that to Con. You know, you know, Con, you know what they just said to me? Uh, Kirsten, you know what they just did to me? 
and, and we take it to everybody else and we just bl- blast them. And so they then carry the stuff. Then they get a hurt for the other person because they, they love you. And they, they then start thinking, well, they've got a secondhand hurt against them. And then we start seeing divisions. We start seeing problems. And, and what we need to do is when, the, when we get the dump on, we go to Jesus and we say, Lord, you know, that was so unfair. God, if there's something I need to learn about that thing, and we take it to, we take it to God, and God will start to p- putting seeds into that. The, the, the thing you've got to remember, the very thing that God, uh, that the devil plans to take you out is the main thing that God will use to put you where he wants you. So in conclusion, in all the different things we have in the church, from catering, all the different departments, catering department, cleaning department, uh, one-up, prime movers, anything else we have, music department. The single purpose is to build the church. So we, we need to realize that, leaders. The single person, purpose of everything is to build the church, which is Jesus' plan. And we all have a part to play in solving the pain points and making things better among our departments. So all those points there, they're not for the ministry team to say, we're going to fix this. We're going, to, we're going to get a new kitchen now. I'd love to. There's other things that we're doing first. You know, we, we, we're going to get all the volunteers you need for every area. We're, we're, going, to get a, we're going to hire a, a guitar player for the music team. We're going, to, we're going to fix it all. But we all have a part to play in solving the pain points and making things better. We all do. So, so we don't say, well, the music department's sinking. That's okay. That's their side of the boat. I'm fine here. We're all in the same boat. And so when we talk to people and, and we know that someone is a, is music, uh, has a musical gift, we should be saying, hey, you know what? I know you're musical. Why don't you talk to Jimmy and Beth? That's where, that's where the whole body comes together to bring the solution to our pain points. You might think, hey, so- someone else is new to church. They're just they're a brand new Christian. They they kind of don't know really where they fit, but they're, they're, they've got a real servant's heart. You say, hey, why don't you join the catering team? They, they really need some help out there. Why don't you think of doing that? And, and you don't need to be on the catering team to be the person to direct someone into that. Growth Track is going to help us to do that in the church um, as we develop it more and in the future. The whole idea with the Growth Track is that we can identify people's strengths and help them to find the place where they fit best and they can flourish and produce fruit together. So what we're going to do now is I want us to have five minutes of breakthrough prayer, if that's okay with everybody here. I just, I just have this burden in my heart just to pray and um, to, to just believe God for what we, um, what we haven't got and that we can see things that we could never imagine. But it starts by just, um, starts in prayer. It starts praying with, with faith for those things. So um, I'm just going to ask you to um, maybe move around, but make noise. Don't hold back, and, and at uh, 10 to, we'll be done. So that's only, let's give us about six minutes. But six minutes of prayer from all of us is, is probably 30 minutes worth. Hey? So, um, and just look at the board there and just start to pray over some of those things. If you're a leader, pray over your department and pray over other departments. But uh, move around this place. Let's make noise. I really, really want us to get a culture of aggressive prayer. We've had passive prayer, um, and I want us to be uh, much more aggressive and much more forthright with our praying. So why don't we do that for...